Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful for this day and thankful for the opportunity to gather here at thy house, Lord. We've felt thy presence and thy singing, Lord. We ask that you would be with the brothers there to come before us. May you give them the knowledge and recollection of the scriptures that might be honoring unto you, Lord, and something that we may hold on to. We ask, Lord, that you be with all those mentioned, those that are sick and afflicted, and those that have suffered loss, Lord. We know that thou has always brought us through trials and tribulations. We ask that you would continue, Lord, guide us in thy way. We're thankful, Lord, for those that protect us, this freedom that we have to, to come and worship thy name unfettered. We ask that you continue to bless all those, bless all these churches that meet in thy name this morning, Lord. We ask all this in your dear son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I would certainly echo what Brother Mike has said. Uh, he's a walking miracle as far as we're concerned. Yes. He was not walking for a good long while, and then he was, his CD was skipping, and then all of a sudden his hip is fixed and his tumor's gone and he's back. So that is absolutely a, that is answered prayer of every conceivable kind. And, uh, I'm having to, uh, I'm reminded of a story my dad told me one time about his dad. My wife has a new dog from Christmas, and that dog perforated my earlobe with his little needle teeth. And all of the, I'm like, what the heck? And now I'm bleeding. And, like, and he told me the story about one time he had a pet crow. And I don't know which of you had the pet crow, but they set the pet crow on his dad's shoulder, and the crow just pecked right on his earlobe and blood started dripping down and I think he grabbed the crow and <laughs> out he went. I won't do that to the dog, but dang, it was uh, it was good there. So uh, I would ask that you continue to pray for Brother Mike as he uh, amazingly enough is going to stand before us. That is such a, uh, uh, that's such answered prayer and uh, the, uh, the, 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 thought that was brought to my mind this morning uh, was that of confidence. Now, you know, we've witnessed confidence in a lot of different ways and manners today. Uh, uh, and I think most typically confidence is connected with exuberance or it's very out there. It's very, uh, it's a little noisy. It's, you know, you're, you're confident, you're you're bold, you're things like that. But when you look at confidence in the kind of the realm of what's taught in the, in the scriptures, it kind of takes on a different meaning. Uh, and if you will look at and, and anybody that the Lord chose, uh, and especially the, in, when Jesus was, uh, when he was uh, preaching and when he was teaching and stuff like that, he had a very quiet confidence. He had a very, uh, uh, I, I think it was the confidence of strength and, and power. But when you look in, uh, in uh, Isaiah, in the 32nd chapter, in the 17th verse, well, you can back up and read the 16th, but 
It says, the judgment shall dwell in the wilderness and the righteousness remain in fruitful field. And the 17th verse is the one I'm going to get to. And the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. I think you could take assurance and, and be confident. That's confidence. That is what we're, we're confident. You know, a lot of uh, people ask, uh, and it was funny, Ray and I were having dinner the other night, and we had a little chatty girl that was work, waiting on us, and uh, she is attending the Bible college over there in Bethany, and, uh, and uh, she, was, uh, she was just convinced that she was going to witness to us right there on the spot, and, and we tried to confidently tell her that we were okay with where we were at in our spot in life. And uh, so many people don't have... Uh, they require a constant reassurance in and around the fact that, you know, uh, there are those things happening. But when we talk about this in the, uh, in the context of the Lord, effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. It goes on saying, my people shall dwell in the peaceful habitation and the sure dwelling and in quiet resting places. Now, I would say there's a lot of times that when we're in the house of the Lord, you know, we're singing, and that's not necessarily quiet. And sometimes even Brother Mike gets excited sometimes, and we're going. But, you know, what we, what we see and what I think is so strong is that quiet, confident assurance. We're confident yes. in the Scripture. We're confident in the doctrine of the church. We're confident in all those things. And, and it is sometimes quiet, and it is peaceful, and it is restful. I remember, uh, you know, uh, Brother Max Langford, when he, uh, when he prayed when we were in the, at the Houston church, a lot of times in his prayers he would say that we might have a, a quiet place from which to pass. And I never thought, and I've said that before, I said I never really thought about that, but, you know, you don't want a, a noisy, frightful death. You want a quiet, peaceful we want a quiet peace that's around the things that we're, that as we're in here, we're able to come back and hear that. So there was one other verse that, uh, that kind of uh, stuck out a little bit and, and not near as much. But when you're over in Jeremiah, the 17th chapter, it says, uh, uh, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. That hope that we have, again, is a confident hope. That is that confidence that we have. Because people will say, well, you know, are you, uh, are you saved with this? Are you ask these questions like that? I have a hope. And we say that all the time, we have a hope. That hope is not weak. That is not weakness. That is a confident hope. That is confidence that we know the work's been done. We know who did it. We know it was finished. We know all of those things. And therein lies our confidence that there's nothing we can add to or subtract from or complicate, and that's, I think, one of the things that we see into it is a lot of people try to interject themselves into any portion of this, and it really frustrates and attempts to frustrate the grace of, of God and the things that have been done for us. So anyway, uh, it is so good to see everybody, so good to be seen, especially to see Brother Mike and uh, to see him getting around here. We, nobody had to help him up. He got up here by himself. And so he's going to stand up here. If I get his attention, he's good to go. 
some of these references you were making. You got to check my stuff. No, somebody's got to. It is good to be here today in the house of the Lord. And to be, you know, the house of the Lord is often described as a quiet habitation. And when it's speaking of the house of the Lord, it's not necessarily referencing a specific location geographically or building, you know, that the writer at the time was thinking of, but what, what was upon his heart and what is upon our heart when we think of it is the fact that when we're there in that quiet habitation is when we feel the presence of God. We feel the presence of the Spirit. And it brings a calmness to the heart of the child of God. And that is one of the greatest blessings that we can have. Because just imagine, and I know we talk about this probably maybe even too much, but if we had to rely upon ourselves for our salvation, you know, that we were to do something, how miserable that would be. Because at some point you're going to come to the realization that you just can't do it. And when that happens, that's a, that's a horrible reality to come to grips with. But in what God has given us in his grace and hope, as Brother Jerry said, his hope. And often people will disdain hope and, and just pass it on and, and just say, well, you know, that's, that's really not very much. It is that hope that we have in Christ. It is the hope that Christ had in the Father and the hope that the Father had in Christ that carries us on and will carry us through to that, uh, that destiny that, that God has for us. And so, as Brother Jerry was speaking there, I came across a couple of, of verses here that are in Isaiah as well. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers. Now these teachers he's speaking of here, I don't think are, are necessarily people. But if they are, if we go back over to the 11th chapter of Hebrews, where Paul the Apostle is speaking about that great cloud of witnesses, those who have experienced similar things in their lives as we have and, and we are and we will as we continue on here, that they were steadfast in, in walking in faith and looked to the Lord and the Lord sustained them. And so there's a great cloud of witnesses that we have. We don't have to go out here and, and uh, find somebody who will witness for us of, the truth of God, that comes in the heart by the presence of God. He shows himself and shows that evidence to us. And certainly, we don't have to, to be in, in, uh, in fear. And he continues and says, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, 
when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. Still small voice of God speaking to us that tells us which way to go. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that comforting to know that He's there and He speaks to us when we're in most need of it? And we shall hear that, that word behind us and it will be encouraging and it will direct us whether to the right or the left to go forward or to stop and wait what it may be. But the Lord will be with us and that's the promise. And that's what we hope in. That's what we look to. And that's what our thought is upon this morning, if you will. Turn with us to the book of Ephesians, the letter of the Ephesians. Apostle Paul wrote this. It's one of his um, letters he wrote while he was in prison. <clears throat> and I want to look at the, uh, some thoughts that are found in, in the fifth chapter of Ephesians. And <clears throat> primarily the uh, encouragement that the Apostle gives in, in this for us and for these brethren so long ago. And uh, in the eighth verse he says, For ye were sometimes darkness. Now, he is brought to their attention again. He's, he's, he's kind of set the... the uh, the outline for what he wants to bring forth here in the message that he wants to give, but he's reminding them of where they came from. And sometimes we need to step back and think about that as well, that the, where the Lord has brought us. And when we, when we stop and we think about what the Lord has done for us and how far he has brought us, we really see the miracle and the hand of grace in that, that he has shown us the way that he would have us to go, and that that path is the right path, it's the good path. We've benefited from it. We're going to continue to benefit from it. And he says, in the eighth verse of this fifth chapter, he says, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the, in the Lord, walk as children of light. Now we've heard that scripture many, many times, and you see it in various forms in, um, in the scripture, in the New Testament especially, the encouragement that you're children of light, so walk as children of light. Now, what he's referring to is that light is not of ourselves, it's of Christ, Christ in us. And there's a purpose in all of this, <clears throat> for you were sometimes darkness, but now you're light in the Lord, in the Lord. Now there, it, it points to excuse me, the, the specific source of the light. He says it's light in the Lord. It's not light out here in the sun, physical sun or uh, street lamp or something like that, but it's light in the Lord. And so he's saying walk as children of light means that we're to walk in the light. Now, if we go back just a little bit over here to second chapter of Ephesians, and you recall that first verse that Paul uh, gives us right there, and he says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sin. So he reminds us once again right there. He set, set the pattern. He set the, the, the basis, if you will, the foundation. He says, You've been quickened. And what does that quicken? means that we've been made alive. We've been made aware of God and His truth. And so 
there's a lot in that that we could speak to this morning, but we want to, to move on a little bit. But just use that, if you will, to have that understanding. Why does he call us children of light? If we're children of, of the Lord, then we're children of light. Because uh, in the Lord, there is no darkness. The scripture tells us that, but we know that. In God, there is no darkness. And isn't that wonderful? That we believe in a God that there is no darkness. And when he's talk, talking about this darkness, and when you think about all the things that we face in the world, you know, this is a spiritually dark world that we live in. There's plagues, there's all kinds of disease, but there's also spiritual darkness. And, and um, as Brother Jerry was talking about, you know, some people think that they have to work. I'll just put it that way. Some people feel like they have to work in order to assure their home in heaven that they have to do something. But thanks be to God, He's shown us His grace and mercies and His truth that it's all sealed in the blood of Christ. It is a finished work. And it's by the will of God, not by the will of man, but by the will of God. And that sustains us. And so as we travel through this life together as His people, the people of light, now I'm going to call it that, the children of light going and traveling together, we support one another in this. And, and we encourage one another in this. This is an encouragement here today for each one of us to come and be together once again after so many months of having to be away and maybe just seeing each other on, on you know, electronic means. But now we can come and actually speak to one another, if you will. And so in this, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. You were sometimes darkness, but now your light in the Lord walk as children of light, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Now I've often seen, you know, he uses this language in various places, proving the Lord. We are to prove the Lord. Now, you know, when I was in college and studying math, we had to learn how to prove a theory. And sometimes those were extremely complicated and, and abstract and, and plain boring. But we had to learn what that was. But this isn't the same thing. This is demonstrating. You know, I could go and learn how to prove a, a mathematical theory, perhaps. But the only way I could do that would be to sit down with a piece of paper and, and put out some formula or get on the chalkboard and do the same thing. But that's about all I could do. There wasn't one of those portions of that theory or components of that theory that I could take and act out and, and act in my life because it was abstract. It was, a, it was a different concept, a different subject. But life is very animated. Life is who we are. And so when he talks about proving this of the Lord, we are to prove these, these truths in our lives. We are to demonstrate them in our lives. Demonstrate belief in God. Demonstrate faith in God. Demonstrate love one to another. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. So we have all of these opportunities. And he says the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. And so you can step back and think about that and think about what is truth. 
do I want to live by truth and in truth? Or do I want to follow after the pattern of the world and maybe have a little bit of truth and maybe a little bit of this untruth? And sometimes that's, that's how people live their lives. And so he continues and says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, and circumspectly means full circle, it means 360 degrees around. It means that, that you know, when, when you're walking down a path in the woods at night and it's dark, you're going to be looking right out in front so that you don't stumble or fall or go over a cliff or something like that. But what he's saying here is that you need to walk not only looking out forward, you know, where your step is going, but you need to look all around you at what's going on. Because sometimes for the child of God, Satan will come at us from that, that direction that we least expect. And he'll blindside us sometimes. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be deceived. And, and, and so when he's saying walk circumspectly, he means to, to truly be putting on the full armor of God, of Christ. And he says, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so the time is to be spent looking unto the Lord. And so there's many things here that we can get into, but I'm not going to do that this morning for the uh, sake of time and so forth. But there's a lot of practical things here about how we should live, live together, one with the other, husband and wives, children and, and uh, parents, but also how we should conduct ourselves as a congregation, a body of the, of the Lord's people. And so as we look now, um, coming out of some of this darkness that we've been in with this plague, we might think, if you will, take some time to think and contemplate about what are the opportunities that are now given to us once again. And the apostle says, but ye have not so learned Christ. And so we've not learned Christ in fear or uh, being um, in that kind of state and having our understanding darkened, but our understanding has been made light now. We see things. We understand some things. And so, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, see that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according, according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know, there's a spirit that we have, as Brother Jerry said, sometimes we can, we can uh, you know, the phrase is we, we get in the spirit and... Uh, you know, we used to, as a people, you would hear more of that than what we do now because sometimes people would get in the spirit and they would be shouting because they were lifted up by the um, truth of God being expounded upon and, and feeling the presence of God. And so it was a joyous thing. But back to this, he says, that put off the concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And so that's created in Christ Jesus. 
and that is to put on the full armor of, of Christ. And he talks about that over here in this sixth chapter of Ephesians, which we're familiar with. And the apostle says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. He doesn't say just take on certain components of the armor. He says take on all of it. And you know, that's when we go back to what he says about walking circumspectly, walking with that, that eyesight and that, that awareness and that, that caution that's fully around us, that 360 degrees. That makes sense now. And he says, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, he's not saying that in the evil day that we're going to run or that we're going to win the race or something like that. But he just says the simple thing, to be able to stand. That's one of the things that we need to consider in our walk, our daily walk, is that we need to be able to stand and withstand the, the wiles of, of Satan as he would come, come at us and, and that we encourage one another that we might stand in these truths. And so I'm not going to go into some of these details here, but I just want to get down to one right down here, if you will, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, we've already talked about that still small voice being heard behind us, that Word of, of God that would tell us right or left which way to go. But here he talks about the sword of the Spirit that is, uh, could be considered a weapon, if you will. But the Word of God is not only to be a weapon in, in that sense, it is to be a weapon against discouragement, a weapon against the untruths of Satan. It is to be uh, a weapon against loneliness and, and some of the things that we've been through that we can dwell in the Word of God and be reassured that light is coming, that a better day is coming, that we have hope in God, that He hears the prayers that are offered by His people, and He answers those prayers, and He delivers us in whatever we're in. And so there's encouragement there in the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. And then praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. As I was looking at this this past week, I thought how important, how much importance is placed here that we pray for one another, that we encourage one another yes. in the Spirit. Because, you know, as some have said, we're, we're not in this alone. We're all traveling on to that place that God has for us, but we're also serving. You know, some will say, you'll come across some in this life that say, well, we're all going to the same place or, or you know, we're all worshiping God. And we know we're not, we're talking about something very different when we start talking about salvation by grace. So we don't want to get into that. But just be thankful that we have an awareness of that truth and that difference. But the point is that we should take here is that we need to encourage one another. We need to pray for one another we need to pray unto God that he might continue to bless us and that we could put on the whole armor of God and have this helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit and then praying always with all prayer and supplication, that's begging, 
for all saints with all perseverance and that we might continue on, that we can serve him and be thankful unto him, to give thanks unto God. You know, I'm thankful that our nation observes this holiday, if you will, or this one day that we call Thanksgiving. But every day for a child of God should be a day of Thanksgiving because of what he's done for us. We just consider what he's done and the hope that we have and his blessings that are bountiful upon us and how unbounding he is to us in his grace and mercies. And so I hope some of these thoughts will, will be a benefit to you. I've certainly enjoyed being here today with you and once again and come back in this, this capacity and to worship God in spirit and in truth. And let's pray for one another that we might be encouraged in the Lord to continue on, that we might have healing grace for those that are in need of that, that we might have encouragement of, of those that are discouraged perhaps, but that we might have more light upon his truth and that we might live closer to him and his truth and that we might pray for one another and hold one another up as we go to the throne of grace and as we continue on. So with that, I think we'll close and in, in, uh, I'm going to ask Brother Jerry Don if he would offer prayer for us. Yeah.